One Percenters, welcome back to another episode of the One Percent Podcast. I hope you're as excited as I am for this episode. I'm always excited for the episodes, but today we have an unbelievable guest. He's a New York Times bestseller, been on the best-selling list for five years with his first book. He actually graduated from the University of Chicago in three years, Duke Law degree, went into law, got kicked out of law, literally kicked out of law, went to work for his dad, got fired from his family business, like literally everything turned upside down on his head. He reached out to publishers just through emails that he'd been writing and putting together as a book. It was turned down thousands of times, thousands. And he'll go more in depth on this story and just all the different pivots that he's had to go through his life to get to where he is. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Tucker Max. Tucker is one of the most genuine, real, authentic people you will ever meet. Trust me on that. He's not afraid to tell you how it is. I mean, not in a mean way, but he'll be completely honest with you. And that's what this world needs. Needs people like Tucker, who is very honest and just a absolute blessing to have him on the podcast. You're going to really enjoy this episode. You're going to take a lot away from it. And you're going to understand that, hey, if you want a goal, if you want to achieve a goal, you absolutely can. So one percenters, buckle up because here we go. Super excited to share with you guys that my first book, Pivot and Go, is on pre-sale now. Amazon, davidnurse.com, Pivot and Go. It's about making mindset pivots, small, slight changes in your perspective little shifts that can change your entire perspective on life. It's based on 29 days, 28 to make a habit, 29 to make a lifestyle. There are 29 chapters, 29 mindset pivots that will absolutely have you coming out of there with extreme joy for the life you live, passion for the mission you're on, and confidence in who you are. So it would be awesome. If you could support the book, check it out. Let me know what you think. I'm going to be sending out a free autographed copy in the next month as well. It's on Amazon pre-sale. It's on davidnurse.com. Pivot and go. Tucker Max, welcome to the One Percent Podcast. Great to have you on, man. How are things in Austin, Texas, for you during this quarantine? quarantine things are good, life? man. Things are good. It's Africa hot in Texas, as yeah. it normally is. But other yeah. than that, it's fantastic. Love it, love it. And you do. I mean, I know we can't see this on video, but you have one of the coolest backdrops of Zoom I have ever seen. You got about fourteen thousand books in there. <laughs> love it, man. Have you read them all? Yeah, no. It, Maybe about 2,000. 2000. I've started most of them. That's all uh, I don't about. finish books that aren't good. So, so like maybe two thirds <laughs> I stopped at some point. But yeah, they're like, uh, I, and uh, they're all, all of them I started pretty much. Uh, I love it. When I send you my book, if, if you get through the first half of it, I'm going to consider that a success. You can even get through half. That would be. There it is. I almost never make it halfway and don't wow. finish. I usually okay. stop like in three pages or I finish the book. <laughs> Because you can tell yeah, pretty quickly, tell. man. Right. You know yeah. what you like. I love it. Well, let's yeah. talk about this time that we're going through right now. Everybody's feeling stuck. It's something that nobody's ever seen before. And and you've made pivots in your life. Like I'm really big on when one door closes, four open for an opportunity to come. Talk about like the biggest pivot that you've had to make in your life or multiple pivots. Dude, I've had so many. I know. I've studied <laughs> I you, man. I don't even know. know where to start. <laughs> um, the biggest pivot. 
I, I have to be, this is kind of a cliche answer, but it's just, okay. there's a reason why. I, I, the biggest pivot probably would have to be fatherhood, uh, parenthood. Um, like that was, and you think you understand before you have kids, but then kids come and it's like, even if you were right intellectually, you don't understand. Like you cannot understand what it's like. And I, the thing that, that my kids really, my kids are like a forcing function, man. Like they, they make me see who I really am mm, and see the consequences of my actions because they're reflected on them, you know? So like if my son is like yelling at his sister and punching her, it's like, oh, like he saw that somewhere and it wasn't on YouTube. Like I'm not, anyone who blames video games or other stuff is just trying to absolve themselves responsibility. If he's being angry and yelling, it's because he saw me do it or his mom, but in our house, me, because mom's not like that. Um, and so like, uh, or whatever, there's a million examples. So those, those have been the, the, the I have three. Those three, but especially number one, man, really made me change, really look at who I was. And then as a result, of course, change. That's perfect. And so you're saying me and my wife, we've been married a year and we're getting a puppy here in a month. So is that buying me? Is that buying me two years until I have to start having kids <laughs> and then I have to start going through all these life? Like, I felt like I've been through enough life pivots as it is, but. Dude, puppies are great starter children. Nice, nice. No, okay. I'm serious. Like, I had a dog. Her name was Murphy, and she was the greatest dog that that ever. Uh, I mean, she was a regular dog, but for me, the greatest dog ever. And, like, that dog taught me how to love. Mm. And that dog taught me how to be responsible. And that's that cool. dog that dog taught me so many emotional lessons that my parents did not teach me, were, were emotionally unavailable, and they didn't teach me. And that dog did. And, uh, like, if I had I, – I, oh, man. She died the week after my first son was born. It was crazy. Uh, it was like it was. It was like she's like, okay, I'm gonna get you to your kid, and then then my job's done, and I'm out of here. Right? Passing the torch. It was so nuts, man. Um, but yes, dogs are fantastic. Um, how old are you? Thirty three. Thirty three. How old's your wife? She's twenty nine. Uh, yeah, you might have a couple two years. years. Two years. I don't know I think, if you do. Yeah, kind of. That's kind of why I made that agreement. It was kind of like a handshake underneath the table. We'll get this puppy. I'm gonna watch just puppy videos of how to train your puppy. The more than that's humanly healthy for people, but we're gonna take a couple years and tell kids. I'll tell I'll, you. I'll, I'll tell, uh, dude. I'll, let me tell you what the thing yeah. that I don't know you at all, but like, uh, <laughs> let me tell you the thing I learned with a dog was so crucial. It was. It was a. It was the first time for me, at least in my life, that I had another being's existence. Um, I was responsible for someone else, right, and something else, and and then like that was that was such a different thing for me, man. To to understand that this being is essentially completely yeah. dependent on me for survival, right, and that if I don't um, if I don't meet its needs. Then it's my fault. It's not its fault, right? And, and it doesn't uh, like it. Just just that. And but then the next step is understanding that the dog doesn't exist for me. It's its own creature and its own being with with, with its own thoughts, feelings, biology, right? And that I have to understand that and meet the dog where it is wow. 
to really actually have a relationship with it. Like you see a lot of people with their dogs and their dogs are all misbehaving and whatever. It's not the dog's fault. It's yeah. the person's fault, right? <laughs> yeah. and, no, yeah. no, seriously, like uh, Cesar Milan, the great dog trainer always said, like I rehabilitate dogs and I train people. Um, because like it, that was the thing I really had to learn was like that dog didn't exist for me. It wasn't a narcissistic extension of me. It was its own creature, and I was one responsible uh, for its ex- existence, and two responsible for understanding it and like connecting with it where it is, instead of making it into something I want it to be. Does that make sense? That makes total sense, and that's beautiful. And I would encourage you to write a book on that alone. That would be super helpful for people <laughs> just to like. Let's say we're talking about raising raising uh, dogs, but raising kids exactly. It's raising like, kids, same thing. Yeah. Right? it's just it's easier. The thing with a dog is it, you want to make your mistakes with a dog. Yeah, because no the doubt. dog has a super short memory, and the dog will forgive you and like figure it out like with you along the way and have no problems. Whereas like the kid's a little different, you know? And so, uh, I'm, thank God I made, uh, the majority of my parenting mistakes with Murph, the dog, <laughs> instead of my son, yeah. daughter. Good point, man. And you talk about that being your pivot, but I mean, you were what university of Chicago, three years, a Duke law degree, and you pivoted into becoming an author and a very successful, well, I was author. fired. Like it, it was okay. You were fired. Pivot. You were made. One door closed. <laughs> hey, one door closed, and you had four open. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's still I, I got thrown out by bouncers, and it was locked. <laughs> <laughs> so it closed. Yes, but I was forcefully ejected from the legal field. And then my dad. I went to work for my father. Uh, he owns restaurants in South Florida, mm-hmm. and he fired me from the family business. Wow. So like, uh, it was like I was ejected twice. Uh, uh, and and it, like it was. It was not a good situation. And so, yeah, I, I, I essentially stumbled into writing, man. I was writing emails to my friends over the period when I was working for my dad and I hated my life. And they thought they were the funniest things ever. And they're like, why don't you put these on the internet? And I'm like, uh, why would I do that? And they're like, well, so you could be a writer. And I'm like, what am I, a bitch? How would I be a writer? <laughs> like, and they're like, well, dude, you're not good at law and you're not good at business. So what else are you going to do? And I was like, all right, I guess I'm a writer. <laughs> and so uh, like, long, long story short, they, they ended up, t- it's funny. I tried to get the book published or my stuff published. This was in 02. Mm-hmm. This is like, like before the internet really existed. I mean, this is before my, it existed, but like, Man, you're this old. back when like GeoCities was like a thing and Yahoo was big and now Yahoo doesn't exist, right? Yeah. And before MySpace even. And uh, I tried to get my book published and every publisher was like, nope. And I mean like, dude, I sent a letter to, it had to have been a thousand publishers and book agents, at least a thousand. And I had 100% rejection. In fact, there were four or five, most people didn't respond at all. You know, and then like I got like 80 form letters and then like I had three or four personalized rejection letters that were like, this is the worst thing I've ever read. You should never write an email again. It was that kind of stuff and nothing positive from anybody. And, uh, um, and remember, these are people whose entire job it is, is to find good books and publish them. Right. And so, but I knew at this point they were wrong because I had had so much amazing feedback from my stories. And so many people, this is back when email forwards were a thing. You might be, I don't know if you're old enough to remember email forwards, yeah. but like, uh, uh, like th- this is like all my stuff was getting forwarded all over the place. Yeah. yeah. And so, so, uh, I put it on the internet. Like I literally got on GeoCities and like did my own site and it blew up. 
And this is back when, seriously, there were like 40 million people on the internet. There was like no one but college kids and computer dorks on the internet. And it blew up. And then like MTV came and did a show about me because like uh, I wrote about dating stuff, girls I met online. And that was back when it was really creepy and weird to meet people online. Um, uh, and so like, and then everything kind of went from there. And then all the publishers came back to me. And of course, uh, and then book came out in 06 and then hit the best star list for like two weeks and then went off wow. and then went back on the next year and stayed on for five years. And oh I sold gosh. millions and millions of copies. And then like, you know, the New York Times had invented a literary genre and all that stuff. Uh, and complete total rejection, not even four or five years earlier. Oh my goodness, man. I knew a lot about you studying you before this, but wow, that is literally like the biggest door shut in your face multiple times. You could have given up many times and now you go on to be your first book hitting a New York Times bestseller and the rest just coming after that. Like, Dude, how did you how did you deal with that? Like a lot of people out there are struggling with if they fail one time, game over, they're done. Like how do you send a thousand letters, you get fired by your dad and your family, and then you're still like, screw it. I know I can do this. So I'm I'm gonna answer your question, but let me start in a little different place. Yeah. Most people here, and I know a lot of very, very successful people, and way more successful than me, right? And I know their stories. Like a lot of them, like just for example, uh, I'm, I've been friends with Tim Ferriss since long before he was Tim Ferriss, mm -hmm. right? And a few other people like that who I've known. I mean, I know a bunch of famous people now and uh, successful people, but I know a bunch of them since before they were famous and successful, right? And so I knew exactly what they were like when they were nobodies, like I was. And um, what most people will say, and this is really important for your audience, is they'll say, well, it took courage and perseverance and this and that. And uh, like, it's not that that's not true. It's that it's total bullshit. Right? <laughs> no, it. seriously. And let me tell yeah. you why. Um, because most people, when they're successful, they've either forgotten what it's like to be like struggling and poor and anonymous, or they're just repeating what they've heard other people say who they think are higher status than them. Right? Uh, here's the real answer. And this is true for all my friends I know that are successful, that are either honest with me or that I knew them before they were successful. Almost everyone that I know that's really successful, uh, the way that they endured all of the trials and the tribulations and the struggles it took to get there is they were fucking desperate. And they yes. had, the, the, it was more painful to stop and then it was to go forward. And most people are fat and not lazy, but fat and happy. And I don't mean like they're just happy lives, but they're like, they have a good enough life, you know, and they like, they make enough money, you know, they play their PlayStation at night and they, you know, whatever. And so they're not desperate. And like, I'm not saying you have to be desperate to succeed. That's not true. You can absolutely succeed a lot of other ways. But I'm telling you the vast majority, this true story for me and for most other people is that my choice was succeed or die. Mm. And I, I don't mean that literally. Yep. Like I could have easily gotten another job and had a crappy life that I hated, but I endured because it was safe, right? But um, the fact that I got lucky in a way, and this is going to sound weird. I got fired from the legal profession after three weeks as being a lawyer, which is like almost impossible. It's unheard of. I was. And then my dad fired me from the family business, right? That was actually a massive blessing mm. because had those two things not happened, 
I would, if I stayed a lawyer, I would have, you know, my starting salary was 140 grand when I was like 24. Like that could be serious. That's like, that's like being a billionaire at 24. (laughs) You can't spend 140 grand as a 24 year old. Uh, uh, And so like, um, I never would have left. And I hated, I hated being a lawyer. It's the worst. I never would have left. I never would have had the courage to leave. And then um, same with my dad. Like that company was successful and I would have expanded it and would have done better and I would have hated it and I never would have left. I never would have had the courage. And so I got fired from both of those and then straight up I was, I was desperate, but not desperate like, okay, I need to go sell drugs or whatever, right? I was desperate in a way it was like, I'm going to go do the, I'm going to go figure out what my thing is, no matter how long it takes me. And then I'm going to commit to it because clearly nothing like anything else would be miserable. Right. Like I, I, I knew being a lawyer and going into, in, into family business was miserable. And I, it was so miserable that like, I basically got myself fired from both. It was unconscious. I wasn't trying to do it, but like, you know, at the, I got fired in three weeks from being a lawyer. Cause I got like totally whore drunk at a firm event and called a bunch of the managing partner. Like I acted like an asshole. I should have been fired. Right. And like uh, my dad, I shouldn't have necessarily been fired by my dad, but like I, I, I had as much to do with it as anyone else at a minimum. Right. And so the real answer is if you're really, really, really want to succeed, burn the bridges behind Mm. you, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally and force yourself to move forward. It's not the only way. I'm not even saying it's the best way. It's just the way that most people who succeed do it, is they have a catastrophic failures that force them forward. Man, that is so good. I love it. Like Succeed or die. I mean, basically, you're saying the enemy of great is not bad. It's good. It's good, and it's settling <laughs> for good, man. And you're preaching, like, I preach it to people, like, don't, ever settle through i mean you went through it i went through it on being an nba coach and then the next year i was fired and had nothing going for me at all and had to pivot and had these doors closed in me but i wanted it so bad and i mean that's no no but hold on hold on here's the thing i'm not saying don't settle and i'm not saying no if there i would say anywhere from 50 to 70 percent of people are okay with a just a normal yeah. regular mediocre life yeah and if that's you cool right anyone who judges you for that like fuck those people like yeah. like yeah like uh like gary vanderchuk's a good friend of mine i love him but i can't stand his hustle porn bullshit and i <laughs> I, I, t- I tell him this all the time i'm like awesome. stop telling people they need to hustle that's bullshit they don't even know what you mean number one and number two if they're happy or not even happy it's not that they're happy for most people they the they are not going to change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. And for most people, the pain of staying the same never gets bad enough. And if you want to sit there, cool, do it. But stop asking about success and stop talking about success and stop wondering why you're not successful and stop. Just accept, I've decided I'm not going to change, so I'm going to sit here and as essentially count the hours until my death. Cool. No shame in that. Just stop listening to this podcast. Like for real, (laughs) go watch some porn or some video (laughs) games or something else that atrophies your mind because this isn't for you. This is for people who want to move forward. Like I, there is no shame in either path. Just pick your path and then commit to it. You know? 
Right, and be content with it because you chose that path. We have the opportunity to choose this. And exactly one thing I but love. But if you're gonna if you're gonna go forward, stop telling yourself. Yes. Oh well, like what a lot of people do. It's like uh, they and I've seen this because I've done it a lot. Is they consume all of the content and they listen to all the inspiration and they buy all the gear and they don't actually move any heavy weights. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Ronnie Coleman said, everyone wants to be swole, but no one wants to move no heavy weights, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it, it, don't stop. Just stop fucking listening. Stop wasting your time, right? If you're not actually going to do it, if you're not going to do it, go. And if you are, then start. And that's it. What I love about you is basically you were the epitome of what I talk about is living the life you want to live without caring how anybody else wants you to live it. And when you do that, when you detach from society and what they want, like you become really attractive. Like I'm loving this conversation because you're an outside the box thinker. You don't say the fluff and the, oh, I hustled or I just, I mean, I had this or this and that. I was desperate. (laughs) I told the truth. Desperate. You told it exactly. Yes. And that's what. Here's the thing, man. Either most people either don't, either they're not self-aware enough to Mm. know the truth or they, um, they're afraid to tell the truth. Even like successful people, like I can. Name a bunch of friends of mine who are very way more again way more successful than me, and in private, like they come over to my house and we have dinner and like and they say all these things. I'm like, why don't you say that in public? Like, oh, I could never do that. And it's like it's funny because I do. (laughs) (laughs) I say that stuff, and they're like, yeah, yeah, but you're different. Your brand's different. I'm like, my brand is just me. It's being honest, and like, and look, to some extent, I get it right? They think they have to play the game and to be successful at certain games, you have to lie. You know, like that's just the the lying is part of it. Imitating others is part of it. I just decided that's not the game I want to play that I don't want to winning that game gets you nowhere except being a liar. Right. And I, I have to get up every day and look at myself in the mirror and my wife and my kids and uh, I'm not going to do that as a liar. And so that's it. Like that's just, it's, it, it's a very simple decision. Now, no, it's hard to pay. The, there's a price to pay for that. You know, like there's a lot of opportunities I don't get because I tell the truth. And there's a lot of, um, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of consequences to that. But the upside is um, I know who I am. Yeah. yeah. And I have a lot of respect for who I am. And I don't ever have to work. I can go to my grave knowing I did the things that I thought were right. And that I said the things that I thought were right. And I stood up for those things. And, um, I, 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 the price is worth it to me. It's not worth it to everybody. It's worth it to me. Tucker, man, that's beautiful. And I'm sure you have a lot of friends that come to you and respect you for the honest truth that you give because most people won't do that. And I hope when I send you my book, if you don't like the first page of it, you let me know, hey, David, this sucks. Like, that's what people Okay, think. I will. Like, I don't tell you. No, hold on. There's a difference between I speak truth and I'm going to tell everyone what's wrong with them. Those yeah, are different true. things. That's true. Right? Very so true. It's, it's not, I'm not going to come, hey, David, here's all the things I think <laughs> about. No, 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 no. If you ask me for your opinion, I'll probably say, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll give, you, I'll give you an out. And then uh, if you really want it, then yeah, of course, I'll absolutely tell you. Man, so you have become one of the most successful authors literally 
all time that there is by just being yourself, being genuine. But is there any, we talk a lot about in this 1% podcast about making habits, the turning these 1% steps, habits, and turning them into a lifestyle. Are there any habits or non-negotiables that you live by daily? So, um, you probably teach this, uh, I guarantee you teach in basketball. Uh, but like the things that I've found are, uh, the more I focus on the fundamentals, the better, mm-hmm. right? So yep. like, and the fundamentals, number one is sleep. Like I really, really focus on getting as much sleep as I can. I need at least seven, seven and a half hours, ideally eight to eight and a half if I've been working out a lot, right? So that's number one. I never cheat myself on sleep if it's all possible. Number two is exercise. I'm like, I'm not, I'm 45 now, so I'm not like a lunatic about exercise anymore. But like, you know, I do MMA, jiu-jitsu like three times a week. And then off days, I don't do much. Like I'll do like... 10, 15 minutes of like uh, push-ups and air squats or I have kettlebells, just enough where it's like, okay, like uh, I'm doing it because on my intense days, I go intense and on sort of lighter days, I just go light, but a little bit of movement and I'm good. And then uh, uh, actually that's third. Number two would be nutrition. Like I don't, I avoid as much as possible because again, I'm not uh, like a fundamentalist about it. I avoid as much sugar as I can. I avoid as much wheat and grain as I can and as many seed oils as I can. So like canola and all that shit. And that's it. Like the, if, if I do those three fundamental things, then, um, and I do them all, let's just say 90 plus percent, right? Uh, although some people, they kind of have to be fundamentals. They can't cheat a little or they can't. Uh, but if you're one of those people, then go extreme and do it all out. I'm not. I can do it 90% and be fine. Um, that's, that's number one. Uh, if those aren't dialed in, don't do anything else. Yeah. If sleep, nutrition, and and uh, some whatever your exercise is, uh, it doesn't have to be extreme, just something. If those aren't dialed in, literally do not do anything else because it is not useful, right? Everything should be about getting those three things dialed in. Then from there, um, uh, emotional health is number one for me. Um, uh, like, uh, And so there's a lot of things that I do there. Um, and... Uh, <clears throat> psychedelic therapy has been mind game changing for me. I do uh, a lot of energy healing, like, a uh, which I can explain what that is. I acupuncture, uh, once yeah. every two months or so. I mean, I have a whole sort of, um, uh, what do you, you want to call it? Like a self care, mm-hmm. uh, sort of thing. And, uh, I, I don't, I didn't accumulate it all at once. Once I had my fundamentals, sleep, nutrition, and exercise, then I would just add things. And then I would tinker until I had it right, and then add the next, and then add the next, and then add the next, right? Which is why I'm 45. I have, you know, 12%, 10% body fat. I'm in amazing shape. All my metabolic markers are incredible. I'm rich and happy and healthy. And I haven't really done a whole lot in terms of like, Oh, oh, here's all my tips and my tricks and I have this morning routine and that's yeah. all. Yeah. You can do that if you need to, but it, without the fundamentals, it's useless. All of it is useless. Dude, I couldn't say that any better. I, I'm in the same belief and the same exact things as you are with sleep, nutrition, and exercise. And, and the way that you say it with the fundamentals hits so hard is – that's what Kobe was all about for an hour and a half of every single workout. He that would he dribble. Did. <laughs> dribble. He would do footwork. Dude, let me tell you, tell you this real quick. I, I, I'm 
good friends with the Warriors coaching staff and I was able to be around their practices like the year that they were becoming the Warriors, like the the really great passing, yeah. all beautiful stuff. For an hour, every practice, it was form shooting, it was ball handling, it was passing, it was footwork. Like this is yep. like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. They're doing the fundamentals. So when people look at that, they're like, uh, yeah, do should I do the fundamentals or not? Absolutely. It's funny. It's funny, man. Like, like you look at Steph's masterclass video, it's like all yeah. the double, you know, the two-handed dribbles and the flashing lights, and it's like that shit's cool. But if it's not on a base of fundamentals, I'm going to rock you. <laughs> like, once you have fundamentals and you're doing your fundamentals, then add all that super cool high speed stuff. But you don't start with the two handed dribble, you know, uh, like the grabbing the lights shit. If you aren't <laughs> working on like just basic stuff every single day. Yeah, of course. But most people that they want to skip to the cool thing because the cool thing is like cool, right? Yeah. Fundamentals aren't fun. They're, they're like, I, although I'll tell you, the you want one trick. Here's one trick: figure out how to make the fundamentals fun for you. There it is. If you do that, you are going to be in the top minimum top five percent of your field, probably top one percent. Yep. I'm so glad you hit on that and hit on fundamentals and like literally what you're saying is the the one percent steps, like doing things other people don't want to do and making them enjoyable. You will find success in anything you do. That is such a great point. Man, mm-hmm. before we let you off this podcast, off the 1% podcast, got a few quick, rapid-fire questions for you. Whatever comes to your mind, they can be short answer, long answer, whatever. First one is, do you have any, as you are a very, very strong mindset, do you have any quotes, maybe yourself or others, that you just that you live by, that your, your mantra? Oh, man. I know there's a lot. I got a lot of them too, man. The one that always leaps to mind is um, a famous uh, uh, Roman general went to the Delphic Oracle, which is like uh, what we would consider like a like a psychic, right? And uh, but this is back uh, a long time ago, and uh, uh, the the Oracle looked at him and said one thing: "It's up to you." Awesome. And that was it. And That's I was awesome. like, awesome. especially me, man. Like I came from a world where like I didn't have parents that were that were around very much. Like I. I didn't have a strong support system. And I remember when I read that like 16 and I was like, that's it. That's me too. It's up to me. Awesome. If it's going to happen in my life, it's because I do it. And that has been, if I have anything to point to in terms of like an emotional orientation that has helped me succeed, it is high agency. It's up to me. Mm. Agency means taking full accountability and responsibility for your life. And I can tell you, David, almost every single time I look at where I'm failing in my life or not succeeding like I should, it's because I've abdicated responsibility or accountability for something I should, that that is mine. Like I'm blaming somebody else or I'm pushing it on somebody else or I'm not owning something fully. Yeah. So it's up to you. Dude, that's that's so good. And it even ties into how we started it about raising kids and how it's not, is it your fault if your kids... Like if your kids aren't good people, it's your fault on how you raise them. And and leading into the next rapid fire question is now that you are a father, what does leaving a legacy mean to you? Not necessarily what everybody else says it is, the billboards say it is, but what is leaving a legacy to you? The only way I know how to answer that is, um, is almost like with an image or a vignette. Hmm. Like when I die... I hope it's a long time from now, but whenever it is, I, I hope I, I'm surrounded by 
people who love me and uh, who are very sad that I'm gone and that I leave a hole that can't really be filled. Um, And I don't mean that like the world's worse. I just mean it like what I do and how I existed and how I showed up was so unique. You can't just, you know, you can slide someone else into an executive position. You yeah. can't slide someone like Kobe. There's no other Kobe. There's great basketball players, maybe even some better, but Kobe's Kobe, right? And so to me, leaving a legacy is, is people, people are there who love you. They're sad you're gone and you leave a hole. Hey, I think you are doing that right now. You are leaving, living that legacy. I've, I've met a lot of very high performers, successful people. You're different than all of them. And I say different in a good way. Like you're, you're definitely leaving that legacy, man. How can, we all, how can we all follow you, everything you're doing? What do you have coming next? What's, uh, what's the best way to, so we know everything Tucker Max? Just uh, I'm on all the normal platforms, Twitter, yep. like Tucker Max, Facebook, uh, Instagram. I'm not on TikTok because I'm not 14. Good. Thank um, you, man. Thank you. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. I love and it. I don't like the Chinese government. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> awesome, man. Hey, last question before we let you off. What does being a one percenter mean to you on this one percent podcast? Uh, like uh, uh, it, we've, I think we've already answered the question. I yeah, really truly have. think if you focus on the fundamentals of your yep. field and get really good at them, you, you almost can't avoid being a one percenter. There you go. <laughs> You're, yep. Seriously. You're right, man. I love that. I mean, everything you talked about was on that type of mindset. You were, you have one of the coolest mindsets, most uh, outside the box, but and you're just authentic. You're real. You're genuine. I know we've never met in person, but I feel like like we have because I just may love, love your honesty and realness, man. So thank you big time for coming on this 1% podcast. Thank you, man. It's great being here. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of the 1% podcast. Thank you so much for giving your time to me and listening to the 1% podcast. Without you, none of this would be possible. The feedback, the reviews, the ratings you give this podcast help to grow the audience and the reach for us to be able to bring on new guests each week and provide that 1% daily steps we can all implement from top NBA players, high performers, and just from amazing people doing amazing things to better this world. And it's all because of you. If you could, I will shout you out, personally thank you, leave a review on iTunes or the podcast app on your phone five stars if you love it, one star, of course, if you hate it, and leave a comment of what you liked about it or questions, suggestions that you might have. Post on social media and tag me at David Nurse NBA, and I will repost the reviews the podcast gets. I'll shout you out personally for sure. Thank you so much for being the best community, the best family, the best 1% squad. So blessed for all of you out there. Now go out there today and speak a word of encouragement to someone. You can and you will make a difference.